Well, our scripture passage for this morning comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 2. We're going to be reading verses 13 through 15. Let's read these words aloud together. Now, after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night, and went to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Out of Egypt I have called my son. Amen. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Praise God. You may be seated. Well, good morning, church. My name is Pastor John. It's a joy to be in worship with you all this morning. Hope everybody had a wonderful Christmas and got to spend time with loved ones and eat a lot of delicious snacks this past week. You know, this is a a really special Sunday for many reasons. This is our final worship service as a church in the year 2019. So whenever we worship next Sunday, it's going to be a completely new year, a completely new decade. So if I wanted to make a really lame dad joke at the end of this worship service, I could say, see you next decade, see you next year, but don't worry, I'm not going to do that. I wanted to begin this sermon this morning by asking a certain question. What were the best parts of 2019 for you? So if you had a highlight reel, you know, just lifting up all the best parts of this year, what would be on it? What would be on that highlight reel? I'll share some of mine really quickly just to kind of get us going. Uh, in March of this year, I was appointed here at Acts 2 United Methodist Church as the One Church Campus Pastor. And every single day since then, I've given God thanks and praise for bringing me here to the church. I, I'm beyond grateful to be here in my first year as a pastor. I'm learning so much every single second, it seems like. And so that was definitely one of the biggest highlights of this year, coming here to the church and, and beginning my first year as a pastor. Uh, Also, in August, I began my senior year of my undergrad at Oklahoma City University. That was also a really big highlight, a a very big thing for me, just knowing that this is my final year at OCU, and then I'm going to graduate in May of 2020. So what about you? What were the best parts of 2019 for you? What were some of the highlights you had? Some of you here this morning had children this past year, many of whom were baptized here in this very space. Some here graduated from high school or college some graduated even from, from grad school. You know, those are obviously very impressive highlights, you know, big major accomplishments in the year 2019. Some here started new jobs, went on new adventures, moved to new houses, moved to new towns. All of those were big moments for us in 2019. So what were the best parts of 2019 for you? After asking that question, though, I want to ask this question. Did 2019 go the way you expected it to go? You know, I feel as though at the beginning of a new year, we have certain expectations, ideas as to what the new year is going to hold. Isn't that true? Don't we feel that way at the beginning of a new year? You know, we imagine us accomplishing these certain achievements or or making a certain amount of money or or saving a certain amount of money or, or spending more time with family or spending more time reading the Bible or eating healthier and on and on and on and on. We have these ideas, these expectations as to what the new year is going to hold. The reality is, though, that often these ideas, these expectations, simply go unmet. So much so that we can feel saddened or burdened at this time of the year. In between Christmas and New Year's, we often deal with unmet expectations. You know, we look back on the past year, we look back on 2019 and and see a lot of celebrations, see a lot of accomplishments, but, but we also see a lot of unmet 
expectations, a lot, uh, a lot of disappointments. And again, I think this is especially true at Christmas. Christmas is a time full of expectations. Everywhere you look, these expectations arise from ourselves or from those around us or maybe even from the Hallmark movies right on your TV. There's expectations everywhere. And, and whenever we're younger, these expectations are a lot more lighthearted. You know, they often revolve around what's underneath the Christmas tree? What did Santa bring this year? What's in this present underneath the tree? Uh, you know, those are the expectations we have around Christmas whenever we're younger. Uh, I think of like those presents, those gifts that are like really small, like a really tall, uh, small toy or something, but it's wrapped in a huge box so no one would ever expect what's inside of it. You know, that's an example of an unmet expectation. That's kind of fun and, and lighthearted at Christmas. But as we get older, our expectations at Christmas, they shift from being about what's under the tree, presents, to about who's around the table. We're more concerned about having loved ones near, about making special memories, having special times with family and with friends. And, and, you know, we picture in our minds, you know, these amazing, beautiful, perfect family dinners and fire in the fireplace and laughter and joy all around. You know, we have these perfect pictures of what Christmas should look like, what we expect it to look like. You know, we want our Christmases to look like this. What movie is that from? It's a wonderful life. I mean, isn't that a good picture? Everyone's smiling and happy and loving. You know, they're hugging each other. There's no fighting. There's no drama, none of that. Uh, and it's in black and white. And I don't know if this is true or not, but I hear that the best Christmases are in black and white. Um, so, so, you know, that, that's what we want our Christmases to look like. It's a wonderful life. Odds are, though, our Christmases look more like National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, if we're being honest. You know, Christmas, it often doesn't go the way we expected or planned. And, and so if you're here today and, and Christmas wasn't what you expected it to be, if it wasn't how you planned, even if it was the opposite from what you expected it to be, that's okay. Because again, Christmas doesn't always go the way we plan or expect. But the thing is, that's not necessarily what the problem is. This is the problem. The problem is that unmet expectations can steal the hope, peace, joy and love of christ in us if we're not careful to kind of give us an illustration i want to use a more general example think of studying for a test or preparing for a test in school and college wherever just think of preparing for a test i am much more of a paper writer than i am a test taker you know give me a 10 page paper I'm good. I'm happy. But whenever I have to study for a big midterm and final, that's no fun. You know, I'm not a big fan of that. And here's why. Here's my reasoning as to why I'm not a big test taker. You can study all you want. You can master all the material. You can study for hours and hours, days on end. But if what you expected to be on the test isn't on the test, it's game over. It's, that's when you just kind of like close your eyes and pray, God, I, I just hope I get a C. I just hope I pass this test. You know, there's, there's no worse feeling in school than preparing for a test and then, and then seeing the test and seeing that everything you expected to be on the test isn't on the test. <laughs> that's a horrible, horrible feeling. So again, relating this to our spiritual lives, these unmet expectations we have, especially at Christmas, they can steal the hope, the joy, the peace, and the love of Christ in us if we're not careful. And friends, that's not what God wants. God doesn't want that for us. God wants us to fully delight in Him every single season. God wants us to fully experience His love, peace, joy, all of that every single season. God doesn't want our unmet expectations or our disappointments to keep us from delighting in Him. 
So today, in order to help us better understand Christmas and more specifically unmet expectations at Christmas, we are going to be looking at the first Christmas story ever. It's not a stretch by any means to say that the first Christmas did not go how Mary and Joseph thought it would go. So this morning we find ourselves in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew begins in the most exciting way possible giving us a genealogy. (laughs) And I know that may not sound super exciting, but it's actually really important. It lays the groundwork. It lays the foundation for the birth narrative of Jesus. And and the genealogy in Matthew chapter 1, it ends with a young, engaged couple named Mary and Joseph. And shortly after reading the genealogy of Jesus, we find out that Mary, who is a virgin, is pregnant through the power of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, she is able to give birth. And, And so this, as one could easily imagine, is enough to cause some fear and doubt in the mind of Joseph. In fact, he even plans on leaving Mary. Uh, The scriptures say that he plans on quietly dismissing her. You know, he wants to cause as little of an uproar as possible in the community. But what's so cool, what's so amazing about this story is that while Joseph is planning his departure from Mary's life, an angel of the Lord appears to Joseph. This is what the angel says. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. What a powerful, profound, world-changing statement to hear that their child, that Mary and Joseph's firstborn boy, he is going to save all people at all times from all their sins. This story, it's starting off pretty miraculous, pretty amazing, is it not? You have impossible births being made possible through the power of God. You have hearts like Joseph's being transformed. You have the promise of redemption and forgiveness. You have the visit of an angel himself. This story is starting off with such beauty and glory and power and then at the end of chapter one jesus is born moving on to chapter two we read about these wise men or these magi and they somehow find out about the birth of jesus and so they follow this rising star and the star leads them to exactly where jesus mary and joseph are at this is what happens whenever they uh, reach the place i love it it says when they saw that the star when when they saw that the star had stopped They were overwhelmed with joy. I love that. Joy from encountering the baby Jesus. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Joy. Worship. The giving of gifts, even. All of those were responses to encountering the newborn baby Jesus. So here again in the Christmas story, we see some pretty amazing things happen. Not only does an angel of the Lord visit, now these wise men from far away come visiting, bringing these special gifts. You know, they bring their treasures, they bring their gifts and start worshiping the newborn king. If I were Mary and Joseph in this story, I would be feeling pretty good. Right about then. You know, Jesus is born. The angel says he's going to have a good life ahead of him of helping and healing and forgiving. There are these special guests. You know, I was just visited by the angel of the Lord. Now these wise men come bringing gifts. I mean, things were starting to make sense. It was looking like things were going to turn out all right. You know, yeah, there was a little bit of turbulence at the beginning when Joseph was, you know, planning on leaving Mary, but, but that was long gone now. It was obvious that God was at work, that God was behind all this, that God was doing something new through this little family. 
It's beautiful. It's amazing. It's a powerful story, a story of glory. And I wish I could say that the Christmas story ended there. I wish I could say that after the visit of the wise men, after the giving of gifts and the celebration and the joy, all of that, that the young boy Jesus, he grew up in his homeland in safety. But that's not what happened at all, as we read earlier in Matthew 2. Instead, there was an evil man, a man named Herod, and he felt threatened at the birth of Jesus. He and all of Jerusalem, we read, uh, were frightened at the birth of Jesus, Matthew tells us. And so Herod, this man with so much power, he did what made sense to him. He sent out an edict. He called for the death of all the children born in Bethlehem, where Jesus was born, two years old and younger. He wanted to stop Jesus. He wanted to eliminate this person who was being called King of the Jews by some people. And so the first Christmas, which started off with awe and beauty, with angels and wise men, with joy and worship, with signs and stars, turned into an escape to Egypt by night. One that their very lives depended on. And thankfully, the good news is they made it to Egypt safely. They made it far away from King Herod and his rule. Yet instead of being surrounded by loved ones... They're surrounded by strangers. Instead of being in their familiar homeland, they're in a strange and new land. Friends, this is not what Mary and Joseph expected at all. They had no idea that the birth of their firstborn son would turn into an escape to Egypt by night. They never expected that a king of all people, a king with great power, would be out to get them and to kill their son. Not what they expected at all. And so... If your Christmas wasn't ideal, if you were grieving, if you felt alone, like you had no one to support you, if you were far away from home, if you were worried about what the future may hold, remember this, Mary and Joseph, they experienced all of that on the first Christmas. Grief, loneliness, Fear, disappointment, unmet expectations, exhaustion. All of those were a part of the first Christmas story. And if they're a part of your Christmas story this year, that's okay. I know Christmas is often linked to being the most wonderful time of the year. And for many of us here this morning, it may have been the most wonderful time of the year. But for many others, our Christmases may have looked more like that. May have looked more like Mary and Joseph. We may be dealing with our own set of unmet expectations, our own set of disappointments. And so I'd like to spend the rest of the time here just sharing a a few thoughts about how we can make the most of these moments whenever we're wrestling with our own disappointments or we're, we're wrestling with our unmet expectations. How do we navigate those times when our expectations don't match our experiences? And this is really what the whole sermon is about, right? We have these expectations, we have these perfect ideas as to what Christmas should look like or what life should look like, but in all reality, often those expectations don't match or don't equal the experiences we're having. So how do we navigate in those times? Before looking at that question too in depth, though, I do want to share one thing really quickly. Even the most faithful and mature people of faith experience seasons of confusion, of disappointment, and failed expectations. 
It's not like only the weaker Christians experience these, while the stronger, more mature Christians have everything figured out. No, that's not true at all. We all have these moments. We all have these seasons where we say, God, everything used to seem so clear. I thought I had everything figured out. I had it all lined up. What am I doing here, God? Where am I at right now? I'm sure we've all had moments like that. This isn't just for the the weaker Christians or the less mature Christians. Every Christian goes through seasons like that of confusion, of disappointment, and failed expectations. Just crack open the Bible. Just about any person you see goes through seasons like that. All right, so how can we navigate through these moments? Number one, first, we can remember and rest in God's love and gentleness. Because wherever we find ourselves, whatever situation we may be in, whether we saw it coming or didn't see it coming, We are surrounded by God's love everywhere we go. May we rest in that. May we remember that this morning. This is so important. And one of the reasons as to why this is so important is that God's love is one of the only constancies in life. Think of all the changes that go on around us. Changes in our home, changes in our town, changes in where we live, changes at our jobs, changes in politics, changes in the stock market. Changes in fashion and style even. There's changes everywhere. We live in a fast-changing world. But what's so beautiful is that in the midst of a fast-changing world, in the midst of all of these things going on around us, everything changing so rapidly, God's love for us isn't changing. God's love for us remains constant and unchanging. Even if everything else around us shifts and changes, nothing we could ever do would make God love us any differently than how he loves us right now. Let's look back at the story of the first Christmas with Mary and Joseph. Even in the craziness and in the fear and in the scariness of it all, God was there, God was near, and God was gentle. Do you remember what the angel of the Lord said to Joseph? The angel said this, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt. And remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. You know, when I read that, I just, I just read God's gentleness. You know, the angel is saying, it's not safe here. You all need to, to get out, out of here to a safer place. You should go to Egypt. There you'll be safe. And when it is safe for you to return home, I'll let you know. I'll let you know. God cared so deeply so deeply for Mary and Joseph. And God cares so deeply for each and every single one of us, for you and for me, even whenever we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, to use words from Psalm 23. God is with us. God is near. God is leading us. God God is guiding us. God is protecting us, comforting us even with his rod and with his staff. So may we rest and remember God's love and gentleness every season we find ourselves in. Second, we can rely on community. We can look to those around us. We can look to our friends. We can look to our family members. And especially, we can look to our family here in Christ, at church, our brothers and our sisters in Jesus. As people of God, we have always believed in the power of community, in the power of relationship. In the first pages of our Bibles, even, we read about the importance of community, of relationship over isolation. So important, so powerful. This is something that Jews and Christians have been saying for thousands of years now, that we were created for community, that we were created to be in a relationship with one another. 
And what's cool is now science is catching up with us, and there's all these scientific studies now that say there are so many different, numerous benefits to being in community, to having genuine relationships with others. So I'd simply like to encourage us to do this this morning. When life takes an unexpected turn, whether it's at Christmas or not at Christmas, don't turn alone. We weren't created to be alone. Community is always important. Community is always essential. But it is especially important whenever we find ourselves in unexpected seasons and moments where we didn't see that coming. So now I want to ask a random question. Are you all familiar with the TV show Friends? Does anyone here like Friends? Okay. Uh, in my opinion, one of the reasons why the show did so well when it was on and, and while it's still doing well 15 years after ending is that it portrayed the importance of friendship and community. You know, it's a funny show. The characters are great. Chandler's my favorite. If you disagree with me, we can talk after worship and I'll tell you why I'm right. But, but you know, it, it's a really funny show. And, uh, but, it, but again, it shows the importance of friendship and community in the unexpected times. One of my favorite um, lines from the show is whenever the characters are gathered in an apartment and they're talking about how, you know, they had these plans, they had these ideas, these expectations even as to what life was going to look like. But in reality, their lives didn't really look like how they had expected. And so Monica, one of the female leads, asks Phoebe, Phoebe, do you have a plan? And Phoebe goes, plan? I don't even have a plus. And... Uh, <laughs> And I think that just kind of describes the theme of the entire show, how there are these, these friends who really don't know what they're doing, but they have each other. They're there for each other. They have community. And there's been so many times in my own life whenever a conversation with someone or even just a phone call made all the difference in the world. Uh, I remember this probably uh, was most significant for me whenever I was a sophomore um, at OCU. Uh, I'm still at OCU. I'm a senior there now. But, uh, but it was just kind of a, a confusing season. I kind of was on this track to graduate from seminary even a year early, and I had everything lined out. You know, I'd been planning on this for several years. I, you know, worked on my schedule and adjusted it to be just right. I had taken a summer class even to be on this track it seemed like the right choice for me but then one day during my sophomore year i believed that god was leading me a different direction and that was tough that was really difficult for me because up until that point i had everything planned out i had always known what the next step was and for the first time i felt like i didn't know what i was doing i didn't know what the next step should have been and it was in that season that good up building conversations with friends, with brothers and sisters in Christ, with fellow pastors that was so meaningful, so special. We would pray together and lift one another up and encourage one another. And, and in that unexpected season, in that season where I had more questions than answers about my future, I found such strength in community. And so I hope that today, here at church, here at Acts 2 UMC, that we would find the same. That whenever we find ourselves in an unexpected or an unplanned season, that we would remember the power of Christian community. That we would be here for one another. Third, when we find ourselves in these different than expected seasons and moments, we need to understand that sometimes things just don't make sense. You know, I'm sure that Mary and Joseph, as they were fleeing from King Herod at night, their lives depended on it, uh, I'm sure they were trying to make sense of all that was going on on they probably just weren't able to all they were able to do is just take the next step and the next step and the next step i think the same is true for us whenever we find ourselves in unexpected seasons and disappointing times we may want to make sense of it i think that's just kind of human nature wanting to make sense of every season we find ourselves in but but sometimes things just don't make sense and that's okay fourth when we find ourselves in these seasons in these difficult times 
let's wait. Let's wait because this is just a season. And that's good news, my friends. That our unmet expectations, that even our greatest disappointments don't have the final say. Mary, Joseph, and Jesus, they weren't in Egypt forever. They were only in Egypt for a short while. It was just a short chapter in their story. When it was their time, they left. This is what we read. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who were seeking the child's life are dead. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. God was with them in Bethlehem. God was with them in Egypt. And God was with them on their return. Egypt was just a short chapter in their story. Just a short season in their lives. And after Egypt, this is the cool part, after Egypt, Jesus would go on to proclaim the kingdom of God and bring the kingdom of God here through his life and through his teachings and through his miracles and all that he said and did. He would raise the dead. He would feed the hungry. He would do all of these amazing things. And after his death on the cross, he resurrected, he rose from the grave, and he reminded us that even our darkest seasons, even the most disappointing Christmases, don't have the final say. Egypt, the tomb, both were just short seasons of a much longer and glorious story that we are all a part of. Isn't that amazing to think about? You and I, we are a part of the greatest story this world has ever seen. The story of Jesus, the story of his great kingdom. And so Egypt, the tomb, these dark seasons, they were just short seasons of a much longer, larger, more glorious story that we are all a part of. And of course, that's not saying that what we may be going through right now isn't tough or difficult. It's just saying that Egypt, the tomb, those difficult, dark seasons, they don't have the final say. They don't last forever. As followers of Christ, we look forward to a glorious future, do we not? Amen. We look forward to all things being made new and heaven coming here to earth. And man, that just gets me excited talking about that. So we're going to move on to the action steps. The first action step for us this morning is this. Set your expectations, not on everything always going the right way, but on Jesus. Who is the way? If we're only happy whenever life or whenever our plans or whenever Christmas goes exactly how we expected or hoped it to go, then we're never going to be happy. We're never going to be content. We're always going to be disappointed. However, whenever we set our hope, our expectations even on Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life, then we're going to have this well of joy within us. We're going to be able to rejoice and dance and sing and praise even on the most difficult days, even on the most unmerry Christmases. The second action step is this. Be honest. Be honest with God and with one another. If you're struggling this Christmas season, if this Christmas season what you had hoped or expected it to be, don't pretend like it was this perfect Christmas. This extremely wonderful Christmas where nothing went wrong. I have a, a friend who lives in Missouri. He's a retired pastor. Whenever I was in high school, I'd actually go and preach for him at his church. And uh, uh, he, he didn't have a very good Christmas. Um, in fact, he spent Christmas in the hospital with his wife who was having seizures. And they were trying to figure out what was going on with her. And, and he shared this on Facebook. He said, I posted, uh, excuse me, he said, I, I have to admit 
it wasn't a very merry Christmas for us. One bad Christmas in 51 years isn't so bad. The good news is I know my Savior lives and God is still on the throne. We'll pray for him. His name's Bob, Pastor Bob. But, but what stood out to me in that post is he didn't hide it. You know, he didn't pretend like his Christmas was wonderful or perfect, even when it wasn't. He was honest. And I believe things are, are, are so much more powerful and, and amazing whenever we are honest. Whenever we're honest with God in our prayers. And whenever we're honest with one another in our relationships with one another. And finally, the third action step is this. Expect to encounter God in the year 2020. We serve a God who is personal and powerful. And because of that, we should expect power to encounter God. We serve a God who loves us so deeply. So again, let's expect to encounter God. Let's expect to hear God's voice in 2020. Which, by the way, is what the next sermon series we're doing is all about. Uh, God is calling each and every single one of us. What are we going to do? How are we going to respond to God's call, to God encountering us? And I'll close with this. I've been reading this book, the book that's up on the screen uh, by Dallas Willard called Hearing God. It's a great book. Highly recommend it. I'm learning a lot from it, but there's one thing in particular that's really been standing out to me as I read this book. The early Christians, the early church, they expected to regularly encounter God, especially in worship. In fact, if you want to open your Bible right now and look at 1 Corinthians 14, you will see guidelines that Paul writes as to what the church, what the congregation should do when someone does encounter God, when someone hears the voice of God and has a message to share with the congregation. That was just a normal part of their life together as church, hearing God, encountering God. And so I wanted to close the sermon this morning with that because we all deal Every single day, not just at Christmas. I'd be silly to think that we just deal with unmet expectations at Christmas. We deal with unmet expectations all the time and in every season and every month of the year. But I believe whenever we regularly expect to encounter God, like the early church did, like the earliest followers of Jesus did, then we're going to encounter God more and more in worship. I believe we're going to hear God's voice more and experience God's peace more when we expect to encounter God. So, as we enter into a new year, expectations abound all around us. What am I going to do? What am I going to accomplish? Where am I going to go on vacation? There are these expectations everywhere, but above all, in 2020, I hope and pray that we would expect to encounter our great, awesome, and glorious God and hear His voice. Is that what you all want as well? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we love you so much. We worship you. We praise you. We lift high your holy name this very morning. Lord, we thank you for coming near to us in so many different ways, but most perfectly in the way you came near to us in the person of Jesus, who taught us how to live, who taught us how to love, who taught us how to serve one another, and also who taught us how to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.